Hello, you guys. What is up and how's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the Empowerment Project podcast with me, McKaylin. I am so excited that you're here and that you've decided to come spend some time hanging out with me. I really am so excited for today's message and just to share it with you guys. This is a message that has been on my heart and I've been wanting to share it for quite some time now, but we've just been so blessed with such amazing guests and questions from you guys. So I figured that it could wait a couple of weeks. But with that being said, if you have not yet listened to last week's episode with Denica, I highly recommend going back and giving it a listen. Denica is a Christian holistic health lifestyle and fitness coach. And on that episode, she shared a truly timeless combination of elements that all just contribute to living joyfully and just living peacefully and all together like a productive life. And on that episode, she shared these elements with us so that we could discover what it means to live abundantly and to live the life that we were creating for created for. So what she touched on was these five pillars of holistic health. And it was like health, faith, relationships, purpose, and lifestyle. And her company, Stand Unshaken, aims to help people like us build a foundation of overall wellness so that we could have the energy and the confidence needed to pursue our calling. And so she just shared with me what a huge impact our health has on our calling and how we can leverage that to become all that God has intended for us to be. So if this topic at all interests you, or if you're just somebody that's wanting to work on yourself in any sort of way, this episode is for you, and I highly recommend checking Jenica out on all other platforms as well. If you are new, make sure to go visit The Empowerment Project on Instagram, where we share all sorts of encouragement. We are always sharing the word of God, promises from God, and relatable content from people just like you. So if you are in need of a community, this is an amazing place to start. And while you're browsing around on your phone or on your computer, make sure that you swing by and check out our website, www.theempowermentproject.com. Project has two T's, by the way, but there you will find daily blog posts written by women just like you, for women just like you, and they write all sorts of different struggles and insecurities, triumphs and victories. You will find a little bit of everything that there and I know that it will pour into you. Um, it's poured into me. If you would like to apply to be a writer where you'd simply um, write one piece a week, um, you can do that and you can apply on our uh, website under the Our Team page. So the Lord is just really doing incredible stuff around here and it is amazing to just watch Him work and just to be used by Him. So before we get into the message today, I want to open us up in prayer so that we can just be focused and receptive to what the Lord has for us all. Um, Okay, so let's go ahead and pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your direction and your wise counsel. Lord, we invite you into this time with us and we invite your anointing. God, we ask that you would come and breathe on these scriptures. Lord, make them come alive to us. Impart on us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who you are. Lord, open our eyes and open our hearts, open the eyes of our hearts and the eyes of understanding and wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus. 
Lord, make us hearers of your word and doers of of your word. Make us believers of your word and trusters of your promises. Lord, we declare that the soil of our hearts would be softened and that it would be ready to receive the seed of your word. Lord, let it go deep into our hearts and bear much fruit as we have this discussion today. In the name of Jesus, the name by which we are saved, we ask this and amen. So for those of you who are going to be in um, your Bible along with me or taking notes, we are going to be in Mark chapter 2 verses 1 through 12. So I'm going to start out just reading through these um, these scriptures, reading through these verses in this section, uh, and then I'm going to break it down and we will kind of uh, pick it apart and dive into it that way. So this is called Jesus Heals a Paralytic Man. So uh, starting in verse one, it says, and when he returned to Capernaum, I don't know if I say that right, holler back. Capernaum, I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was home. So they're talking about Jesus. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him, when they could not get near Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. He are who can forgive sins, but God alone. And immediately Jesus perceiving in his spirit that they questioned within themselves said to them why do you question these things in your hearts which is easier to say to the paralytic your sins are forgiven or to say rise take up your bed and walk but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins he said to the paralytic i say to you rise pick up your bed and go home and he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified god saying we never saw anything like this so i want to break this down because there's a lot to unpack here and it is all so good it's all so so good so i just want to start in verse one um, where it says, and when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was home. So Capernaum is Jesus's home. And it's, it was like the center of his early ministry. So in Mark's gospel, we saw that Jesus began his ministry in the vicinity of Capernaum by calling the four disciples and performing a bunch of healing miracles in the city. And then from there, he went on to go preach around Galilee. And then he returns home to Capernaum, which is where we find him now. Verse two, it says, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. He was preaching the word to them. So this is awesome. Jesus is really popular, right? Like everyone turned out to see him and hear him speak about the kingdom of God. The room was literally packed full. It was beyond standing room. Like even the door was blocked. And how wonderful is that for people to show up and to be being poured into. But at this point, it's like it's so blocked. It's so 
crowded. They didn't have, you know, we were in an amphitheater where they could turn up the mic or whatever. Like it was very hard to get through, to get in, to see Jesus and to hear Jesus. So picking up in verse three, it says, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. So we don't know how large this group is, but we know that four men or four of them were carrying the friend on a mat. Like these people showed up with intention. Like they brought their friend. They had a mission. They were bringing their friend to see Jesus, to be healed by him. Who knows how far they traveled or how long they carried him. Just hoping that the rumors were true that Jesus was actually in town. And it says, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof from above him. And they, and when they made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. So they show up and they're like, shoot, we didn't know we needed reservations. Like how early were we supposed to get here? Like it's super packed. But like I said, these men had a mission. They came with intention and they were expectant. So many people would have given up. You know what I mean? Like they would have seen the crowd. And they'd be like, this is going to be impossible. Or even just be like, this is his hometown. Maybe we'll catch him next time. Like, he'll be back. I'm sure, you know, he'll come back eventually. Or maybe they would have waited outside in hopes that Jesus would somehow see them on his way out of the house, you know, just kind of keep it low key and be like, hmm, you know, maybe if this is meant to be, then, you know, we'll run into Jesus or whatever. But no, these weren't just any friends. Like, these were radical friends and they would stop at nothing. So what do they do? They start thinking. They're like, okay, how can we make it to Jesus? And like, we will find a way. They knew that if they could find a way to Jesus, that he would do the rest, that he would do the healing. So they make their way onto the roof and they start tearing away at the roof of the house that Jesus is in, that he is sharing in and teaching in. And so just imagining what the, you know, uh, what the ambiance was like in there with everyone listening, you know, probably doe-eyed, just listening to Jesus share about the kingdom of God. And I wanted to know kind of what this tearing away of the roof would look like. So I looked it up and I found out that in this day and age, a typical roof of the house would be like flat and it would be supported by beams laid across the walls. So from side to side. And the, the roof would essentially be composed of like a muddy clay-like sort of mixture and people would sometimes sleep on their roof during really hot nights and the roof would provide um it would be cooler and the roof would provide like a a sense of um privacy at at times so uh because they would go up and sleep on it obviously so they would there would usually be a ladder standing outside to you know permit access to the roof so imagining getting somebody who is laid out on like a cot or a mat up a ladder would be extremely difficult and require a lot of strength and just thought out plan and courage, especially courage from the man who is paralyzed, you know, like not being able to hold on or having to be strapped in, you know, because when you think about a, a ladder being vertical, on, you know, leading up to a roof, it would be very hard to get somebody up there only being able to go one by one and, um, you know, trying to, to hoist that mat up with somebody on it. So they literally stopped at nothing, no boundary, no barrier because digging, you know, getting someone up there and then digging a hole in the roof, that was just really bold by every means. So 
but they saw this as their only option. There, there was no room to get inside the home to reach healing. So they did what they had to do. These friends were dedicated friends with radical faith. Like they needed Jesus and they needed him right now. They were not going to wait. They did not care who was in the room with him or, you know, what stood in the way. Like they were on a mission. It says um, in verse four, when they had tore an opening, they let the bed um they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. So just imagine this for a moment, like being inside and the roof slowly starting to, you know, break open and light pouring in the room and eight hands just ripping it back handful by handful, digging through the mud, looking for the face of Jesus. Imagine their eyes meeting his for the first time and their fervent displays of urgency just to get their friend to Jesus. Then imagine the insertion of uh, of the of the mat and the lowering of the man on the mat. I mean, it's unlikely that they were able to create a hole big enough to lower their friend down perfectly horizontal. You know what I mean? Like it's extremely likely that they would have had to, you know, there would have been some rough handling as his friends lowered him down through the roof. Like it probably wasn't a super graceful thing. Like it was probably more so, you know, desperation of getting him down and getting him front, getting him in front of Jesus. So hard telling, you know, also what standard their makeshift mat was, you know, at, you know, or what it was made of, how it was put together. And it's even likely that the man was um, secluded to like a sick room kind of before, before being brought here so to be the center of attention might have been very uncomfortable and like new in addition to his somewhat of a bumpy ride down through the roof but although he might have been nervous and uncomfortable he was hopeful and we know this um this was his saving grace his chance of healing like his chance at healing like his make or break it moment he everything he'd wanted and waited for his whole life had came down to this moment and his hope was in jesus he was looking into the eyes of his healer unimaginable you guys like i cannot imagine that he had the hope that the healer would do for him what he'd heard that he'd done for others I mean the anticipation and the anxiety it is riveting so verse 5 it says and when Jesus saw their faith he said to the paralytic son your sins are forgiven and you guys this is like the punch for me because I love this so much and for so many reasons because we know that Jesus reads people's hearts but on this day and in this story we see faith manifested in such a visible way that it was unmistakable that even that not that even Jesus could see it but that Jesus could see it like these men left it all on the table completely unashamed of what they were doing what it would cost them what others would say and did everything they could to get their friend to Jesus now of course I'm sure that like the politic or the paralytic was not just a passive man although I guess he really could have been we don't really have any account of him saying anything or doing much but um I don't think that I mean I don't, I don't think that he was brought there forcefully uh, anyway at any rate it was the rock solid confidence of the friends that Jesus um of the friends that Jesus could help that urged them to tackle such obstacles in order to bring their friend to healing because without their bold their boldness and their shameless determination to overcome the imposed difficulties the healing would not have taken place so when reading this story we 
we usually focus on the paralytic and the reaction of the Pharisees to Jesus's word of forgiveness and healing. And I mean, the title of the section is Jesus heals the paralytic. And this is wonderful. But today I want to talk about these four radical friends of his and the friends who had such confidence in Jesus that they would stop at nothing for their friend for their friend to come face to face with him. So like I said, it's so interesting that in this story of healing of the paralytic that the sufferer himself plays a very small part in it actually. And it's quite obvious that the main interest of the story gathers more so not around the, the paralytic, but more so around the four friends and, and Jesus and how the faith of this man's friends played such a vital role in his encounter with Jesus. Because in my life, I have been blessed enough to have multiple riff, roof ripper type of friends in various season, seasons. And I can easily say that sometimes the faith of my friends is what carried me through and from season to season or out of hardships or through difficulties. Because the truth is, is that sometimes our friends cannot cannot carry themselves. That's just human nature. That's just life. That's just seasons. That's just things happening. And sometimes we just cannot carry ourselves. And sometimes we need to go to war for our friends. We need to find a way. We need to show up for them and we need to do the impossible for them. When I was 16, there was this freshman girl that started to seek me out and share Jesus with me. And following the multiple rejections from me, she continued to just love me and share with me and remind me that Jesus was an option. And now I know that he's the only right option, but then he wasn't the only option. And she knew that I saw that, um, that I contemplated that, but her gentle persistence is what led me into the arms of Jesus. So from there, I've met, you know, roof ripper friends that picked me up from the lowest points of my life. And I have roof ripper friends in my life now that I know that I could go to and that would, um, you know, go to war praying for me at the drop of the hat. And that if they saw me slipping, they would be there to carry me along, to help me get back on my feet and to position me back in front of Jesus to receive the healing that I needed. And I'm so thankful for this, to have experienced it and to to still have it, but there has to come a time when you rise, you take up your mat and you walk and you start tearing through roofs because there are people waiting on your obedience. So I want to talk about these four men, these 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 awesome friends these four as an example uh because i just feel like there's so much that we can learn from them and their willingness just to go to bat for their friend and how their faiths played such a vital role in their friend's life and in their in in their friend's healing and so the first thing that i want to touch on is their character because it is apparent that their character was true like they are genuine people and there's this friendship was no fair weathered friendship like they stood by their friend in his hour of deep need they carried him up that ladder regardless of if it looked good or looked bad or looked weird or awkward they got their friend up there and they were unashamed of what they looked like what it would cost them and they began digging through the roof to get their friend to where he needed to be in order to posture him back in front of Jesus so being you know that type of friend to be able to stand by your 
friend in their hour of deep need, like that is a badge and a sign of a true friendship because it bears the strain of difficult times. Um, I can attest to this so many times in my life. And a great example of this in the Bible is in John 15, when Jesus said to his disciples, I call you not servants, but friends. Towards the end of his earthly ministry, Jesus had multitudes of admirers and followers. Um, but as trials kind of came, you know, barging in and the opposition kind of started to, you know, thicken and deepen, get a little bit ugly, a little bit dark, you know, these people turned their backs on him and deserted him like people do. But amidst the desertion of the crowds, the apostles remained steadfast and true and their loyalty to him in these moments of desertion and rejection, you know, their faithfulness proved the genuineness of their friendship. And I feel like this is just such a wonderful, beautiful picture of friendship um, and being able to stand by your friend when things don't look good, when things don't look, you know, when, when things sometimes look hopeless or dark or uncertain or questionable or whatever. I mean, I have had times in my life where things were not pretty, where things were dark and where I was just, I did not know what was going on, where I was unable to uh, know up from down or left from right or inside from outside and I was just all over the place and things that I questioned I was so confused and that would sometimes even warrant for my friends to be like okay she's you know wow like maybe she's not the best to be around but they never gave up on me and they stuck with me through it and nine times out of ten in seasons like that, I had to rely on my friends to carry me out of it. And I don't want to take that lightly and say that that it should be a crutch at all. But I think that recognizing that community is so important. Like we were not meant to be Christians and or be isolated Christians or, you know, alone Christians or, you know, stand by ourselves and be by ourselves. Like we were made for community. We were made to be a part of other people and to pour into other people and be poured into and to help other people along and to help others along like it is really I mean it is all about relationship and it's about pouring into each other and Jesus showing himself faithful through others and so I think that this whole thing and just being able to to be that genuine friend that's like I'm going to sit with you in this like I'm gonna I'm gonna let you have your moment I'm gonna sit with you in it we're going to figure it out but I am not gonna let you stay here like I'm gonna carry you out of this if I have to because I know that you I need to posture you back in front of Jesus and you know that too but you may not be strong enough to do that on your own just yet so I'm going to go to war for me for you I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to help carry you out of this um you know alongside Jesus and just do my best to get you back in front of him because I know that that is what you need in order to receive the healing that is needed for this season. And I mean, there's so many, you know, examples that I can think of in my life where someone has swooped in and done this exact thing and I'm so thankful for it. And I feel like integrity kind of goes hand in hand with this as well. And so something that I want to add is just being, you know, it's just protecting your friend. Um, and really, I guess that kind of comes down to like your actions, like, you know, protecting your friend, doing what you need to do for your friend, but having their best interest at heart. You know, because these men, when they were, you know, ripping the roof apart, people were looking at them. They probably weren't looking at the man on the mat. Like they were the ones kind of taking like the heat or they were the ones kind of putting themselves out there. Or I don't even know how it would work, but maybe they would have to like reap 
you know, pay or like come back and fix the roof or pay to have the roof fixed. I really don't know how it would have worked, but you know, they were the ones that it was, it was costing them something and they were protecting their friend. They were the ones that step up and took, took that stepped up and took care of their friends in that moment. And for me, when I think about integrity and protecting my friend, it goes so far beyond, um, you know, protecting their reputation or, which I think is so important. All of this is so important, but protecting their reputation, of course, is extremely, you know, vital. We need to be doing that always. Um, and you know, whenever we hear somebody talking badly about them, you know, bringing correction to that, loving correction to that, um, and being able to speak to their character through our integrity is really important, but also, you know, protecting their heart and protecting, um, you know, the things that we expose them to or the things that we share with them and just taking it a step further and thinking, is this profitable to this person? Like, can I, if I can protect this protect them from this and I'm going to do that and it may come from a place of like okay I then I'm gonna have to suffer a little bit I'm gonna have to do a little bit of work I'm gonna have to get my hands a little bit dirty in order to fill in the gap for them at this moment because I but just because of where they're at I know this isn't something that they can handle or whatever but it's just having their best interest at heart something that has always kind of stuck out to me as is something that my mentor said is you can tell someone's loyalty to to a friendship um, whenever they're mad at you. Like if somebody is mad at you, how do they retaliate? How do they act? You know, what do they share with others about you? And that has been always something that I take really um, seriously because you aren't going to make it through a friendship without having like an argument or being upset with each other or just being on the outs or like whatever, if there's a misunderstanding or just something being a little bit off or weird and paying close attention to how they respond in those moments whenever they want to maybe not be friends with you or you know but it's just based on an emotion like especially if it's like a covenant relationship that you have with somebody um and if they are willing to kind of you know uh if they're willing to risk their integrity in order to hurt you, then that is a huge red flag. But I think integrity and character is so important. And I feel like these four men are amazing examples of that. Um, and then I think like their faith and undaunted, uh, you know, difficulty is like they were, they did not hesitate when it came to doing what they needed to do. And what magnificent faith these friends had, like it was a faith that was not daunted by difficulties. Like they saw, they sought out and they saw, okay, we're going to have to actually like, we're going to have to tear some stuff down. Like we're going to have to figure this out. We're going to have to do everything we can to get him in there. And they did not shy away from it because their faith was so great that they knew if we can get him anywhere close to Jesus, if we can get him in front of Jesus, he will be healed. And it was not an easy task to bring their friend to Jesus, but they persevered in spite of the obstacles and their friend got the blessing. Their friend received the blessing. Jesus said, I see their faith. And what I love is that Jesus didn't say like or uh I don't know if I actually said that but it was, oh it was just written Jesus seeing their faith you know he said you know you, you your sins are forgiven get up take your mat walk go home you know whatever but it it stuck out to me that they that he recognized like their faith and so it was the faith of his friends that really that was vital in the reset in the receiving of the healing and I just think that that's so amazing that our friend the faith of our friends can carry us um 
to such, you know, deep and intimate places with the Lord. And so I think this is just even more so of a testimony to the people that you have around you and the type of person that you are, you know, do you have roof rippers in your life? Who are the roof rippers in your life? become closer with them, reach out to them, um, you know, embrace them and seek a deeper, more meaningful relationship with them if you don't have one yet. But these people that are willing, willing to tear through roofs, to rip open roofs in order to get you in front of Jesus are the type of people that you need in your life. And on top of that, you are the type of person, um, that should be a roof ripper and that should be ripping roofs off in order to get other people in front of Jesus. Because like I said, said there are people waiting on your obedience and I don't know about you and not that we should walk around feeling guilty or shameful but I want to use my time um doing everything I can to get people to Jesus and I don't want there to be anybody left waiting because I chose not to be obedient because I chose that I didn't want to pick up my mat and you know rise pick up my mat and and walk so that I could go and I could get someone else on a mat and bring them you know and so I I think that the faith of these men is just such a huge I think it's so inspiring because I'm so thankful for my roof rippers and I know the impact that they've made on my life. And I think just even moving forward, knowing that the impact that they still will make and the things that they'll carry me through and the things that I'll be able to carry them through because I have faith and because they have faith and that we can both walk confidently to the father and, 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 and work with each other through it, you know, as, as iron sharpens iron and no one sticks closer than a brother. And I think keeping all of that kind of at the forefront of all of our relationships and all of our friendships, of course, you know, not all of our friendships are going to be at this level or this level of intimacy. And of course, moving forward in grace and compassion and love and, um, you know, <laughs> being forceful and being but but also just being in love you know being uh cautious I guess of how you move forward with your friends and how you choose to present them to Jesus and to rip the roofs off because uh you know like I said the the person who came to me first and or my my first roof ripper uh I rejected her multiple times but what won me over was her grace and her compassion and her love for me and her just reminding me that Jesus was an option and that um when everything was failing and everything else was failing, she kept reminding and which she knew that it would. So there was no reason for her to worry. Uh, you know what I mean? So, and I think that that's so cool too, is whenever we can just walk and do life with people and just remind them of Jesus and just saying, you know, like when you're ready, he's here. Like he's already extended the invitation. And when you are ready to enter into a relationship with him, he is here waiting for you. He's already done everything that he needs to do. He is just waiting for you. So I think that all of that is just such a testament to the friendships that um, are godly friendships in our lives and something that we can all aspire to and that we can uh, gather around us. So anyways, I hope that you guys love this episode and I hope that it inspired you to be a roof ripper to thank your roof ripper if you have one in your life and if you don't to become one um and yeah I hope you guys love this I was really inspired by this and it really lit a fire under me so I hope it lights a fire under you as well I encourage you to go back and read through mark 2 if you um want and you know just pray before and ask God to share with you something new and a new revelation and how you can can grow uh, more into being a roof ripper and somebody that um, brings more people into the kingdom of God. So I love you guys so much. I hope you have a good week and I will talk to you very soon. Bye.